Hey guys, we're live. Hello. We're live. We're all here. Well, we're all here. almost. All but Todd. Todd's still coming. He's on a slow bus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's, he's uh, buffering. Gone to, gone to watch some TV, perhaps. <laughs> Less stressful, I'd say. All right, he'll be, back, he'll be back just in time to throw him under the bus. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, big bus tonight too. All right. So this is uh, Shooting the Shit Aussie Craft Distillers, for those who don't know. And what it is, it's a ragtag bunch of guys who have a chat with people in the industry. And we shoot the shit. We take the conversation in whatever way it goes. There's no pre-planning. There's no script. It's just whatever. So, uh, yep, we hope you uh, enjoy it. And tonight we've got our guest, Stuart. From Little Juniper Distilling in South Australia. G'day, Stuart. How are you, mate? Good crafty yourself? Yeah, not too bad, mate. Not too bad. That's good. And on the other side, we've got uh, Luke, who is uh, Bostick. He holds this whole thing together. And normally we have the Todd on, but uh, Bostick hasn't done his job tonight. So um, for some reason, Todd <laughs> cannot stay on. It keeps dropping out. Yeah. <laughs> NBN, uh, it's I, I blame the government. Blame yep. the government. Yeah, on, <laughs> yeah two, two days out, no, one day out, two days out from the election, blame the government, yeah. No, absolutely, yeah, it's all their fault. It's all their fault. Kick them out, then the podcast would be better. Yeah, solves all our problems, eh? Yeah. <laughs> but he's going to give us new cellar doors, so it's all good. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right, Maybe. let's rip into it anyway. <laughs> So we start with um, what's everyone drinking? What's ever, what's in everyone's glass? So we'll start with you, Stuart. What are you drinking, mate? I've got a Davidson Plum Negroni. So I've got a, a new gin that um, we're bringing out, which I'm still waiting for labels on. So that one there. And I was at a bar tonight, and they're talking about making a cocktail with a, with a Negroni, which I've just tried, and it's freaking delicious. So, yeah. Very nice. Yeah. Very nice. Good night for a, for a cocktail. Mm. What about you, Luke? What do you, what do you got in your glass? Uh, I'm about to have uh, a glass of five nines. All right, South Australia glass. again. Yep, so also in South mm. Australia. There we go. You can kind of see the label there. It's a bit blown out in my shitty light in my cave. Got it. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, I was, I was given this um, on the weekend, just gone, and... Um, I've been really keen to try it, so look at that. It's pretty nice. It smells amazing, and yeah, cheers. Mm. I'm very happy to be uh, getting into this one. Very good. Uh, same to you before, Luke. I've got the same bottle downstairs that I nearly brought up, and then I thought, no, I'm going to have a Negroni tonight. So there you go. Well, look, there's still time. You can um, you can dash downstairs and grab it once you finish your uh, your cocktail. You, you you want me to actually be talking tonight, though, don't you? Yeah, yeah, that's that's generally the idea, Luke. <laughs> the hefty old Negroni, I don't make small ones, so for the end of that, I'll be a little <laughs> All right, so I'm on. What are you on? Yes. Ah. Jeez, ah. Out of nice. uh, Victoria. So there was too much uh, South Australian going on tonight, so I thought I'd bring in a Victorian, <laughs> try and balance it out a bit. So, I'm not sure how balanced that is, but and I'm I'm not sure what Todd's going to drink at the moment. He's he's showing me pictures of um 
of blue lights and not working lights on his uh, on his NBN router. So um, fingers crossed he might get in. <laughs> All right, we'll see what happens. All right. Well, let's let's uh, let's talk to Stuart. Let's um, let's hear about Little Juniper Distilling. So, Stuart, go right back to the beginning, mate. Way before you uh, even had conceived a distillery, um, where did your interest in alcohol come from? Uh, so that would have been when I was well. If I go pre pre-distillery dream i would have been 13 at 14 i had my first gin and tonic fell in love with gin um you and... say at 14 you had your first gin and tonic yeah it was with my mum so it's all good he's a, he's a oh, bit like to it really <laughs> yeah, no, sorry <laughs> uh yeah and i moved out of home when i was 16 i was just finished school and was working so lived around the corner from a, a local pub which i probably shouldn't mention the name of seeing i was a bit younger um had a really good barman there i remember that i still remember it like it was yesterday people will be sick of hearing this story but i walked in and sort of normally i would get beer and bundy and coke and you know rum and coke and jack daniels and coke and vodkas and lemonade and whatever and i said can i have a gin and tonic and he turned around and looked at me grabbed the bottle old bottle of vickers turned the lid and you could hear it all crystallized and crusty as he's turning it and he said you know there's other spirits your grandmother probably drinks and uh, i said no i love my gin so he made me a gin and tonic and then that bottle probably lasted a week and then it was gone because I lived around the corner. I'd be there two or three times a week. And then <laughs> after months and months and months, he'd start getting different bottles of gin in for me. So stuff from, I mean, this was back in the early-ish 90s, giving away my age here. But right. back at that time, there wasn't, there was nowhere near as much gin around as what there is now. So um, he would get in bottles from overseas and sort of educate me. Um, right. So that was good. And then... I think probably I wanted to distill, had a, a godfather who worked for Penfolds and Hardy's. So he'd always come around and make concoctions. And in the 60s and 70s, my dad and he worked at Penfolds, not far from where we are here. And they would slip in on the weekend when was no one was there and make up their own wines and bottle their own wines and do their own labels. And they'd have barbecues where everyone would gather around and make, you know, make their own labels and whatnot. Um, so it was always, even though my parents weren't big drinkers, the, I think that alchemy of what you can do with alcohol was always interesting for me. So I think around 2000 and oh, would have been, I moved to Brisbane for work, um, was there for 10 years. And in that time, probably prior to that, I was brewing beer at home and then got into some other things in Brisbane, was brewing um, an alcoholic ginger beer. It was about 14%, which everyone loved. And at that time, my... Well, now my ex-wife, my father-in-law had a little T500, I think it was, and mm -hmm. was making spirits, but it was all sort of with, with you know, the, the bought flavorings and things you'd get. And he'd make yeah. stuff up for me and oak it and, you know, put your little wood chips in there. And it wasn't bad, but it wasn't great. And at that time, I've always wanted to, you know, to try my hand at distilling, but it was just too expensive. So then come forwards to 20, 2019, um, divorced my kids moved to tassie and school holidays you know they get three months off a year i get four weeks and that's it so the kids come back here i'd run out of holidays so i decided i need to be self-employed so the plan was to build up my own little media agency and then um basically the funds from that would then help fund a distillery which is supposed to be another five to ten years away and then good old COVID hit 
literally the week my non-compete clause had started it ended sorry and i was supposed to start my media agency so i was sitting there going fuck i've just spent three months sitting on my ass planning this business what am i going to do now uh long story short i had a business mentor he worked in the wine industry um for my media business which is kind of funny and he had a look at my business plan and said look i think you need to put your media thing thing aside go off for two weeks work on your business plan for this little distillery you want to do and um send it off to me and i'll tell you what i think so i spent two weeks from 7 a.m till bloody was like 3 a.m every night for literally 14 days my family friends like what are you doing i tell them and they go you're fucking crazy don't do that you've been in this other industry for 25 years what are you doing i was like no no no. i need to know i've got all these ideas i want to get it onto paper um two weeks later sent it off to him and he said to me i think you need to put your media business on the back burner this covid thing could last another six weeks and start working on your distillery (laughs) six weeks turned into two years and here we are so yeah Mm. long story short so your distillery really is a COVID baby. Yeah, yeah, which has got its benefits. You know, how many times in your life is a government going to say to you, you've literally got to sit at home for 12 months and not do anything? And it was great. But at the same time, launching a gin during COVID is not so great. I have no idea what it's like to, to launch something into the liquor industry in normal times. So it's, you know, even getting into winter now, gin normally dies off. And now they're finding that a lot of the bars are ordering more stock. People we've been talking to that were scared to order stock are now ordering. Online sales are going through the roof because everyone's going out and they're sort of not worried about the fact it's winter. We missed out in summer, so let's party. Mm. So, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, so it's very much happening, isn't it? Things are opening up. The bar scene's starting to open up again. And as you said, people are now starting to put the orders in and – People have now also got this this uh, greater experience of drinking at home, so it's a bit of a, a bit of a double whammy right now, isn't it? Yeah, which yeah, is I mean, if, good if you if it's, you know, even hey, it's Todd. Even if you go back five years ago, you look at the the cocktail scene. The cocktail scene has always been there, but not so much at home. Whereas now, you know, I've got friends that have got a bigger collection of liquor than I've got. I'm in the industry. You go into their place, and it's like, right, we're making up all these cocktails. Whereas in the past, people just wouldn't have done that. So. COVID's probably helped in that sense, I suppose, but that that then affects your customers, you know, the bars and the hotels and whatnot, because people are they're getting out now. But in the in the last yeah. two years, they're happy, reasonably happy to sit at home and make their own things and do their own stuff, which isn't isn't great for our customers. Yeah, yeah, it's true. The, the the ability to drink at home and have that selection, your own collection and whatnot i mean you can see mine in the in the background there have just your very small circle of friends like the 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 what was it the two adults and one kid <laughs> that you yeah. have um or, or two kids come around uh, at one point in lockdown and yeah you would just sit there and experiment you would try different things you hadn't tried before and um that um, became almost became the norm for us uh particularly um going out feels a little alien these days yeah maybe i'm showing my age no i was actually saying to someone this afternoon i was driving back from seeing some potential customers in town some new bars and i was driving back and someone was talking to one of my suppliers and saying how things sales are picking up and he said it's kind of weird when you go out now it feels like something really special 
Mm. And I had the same thing. I was out a couple of nights ago. I was out at a club and, you know, a lot of music, a lot of young people. I was probably the oldest guy there, but it felt fantastic. It's, you know, I'm out and about and it's two o'clock in the morning. You know, what's going on? This is, I feel like I'm 20 years old again. But it's it, it just even just going out for dinner, you know, it, mm. it does feel like something special. Whereas two years ago, we, I think we all took that for granted. Oh, 100%. Yeah. The energy's come back for sure. Yeah. So let's let's talk about um, the company and and so you're you're very gin focused. Um, why why is that? It, it's it, it's very 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 narrow uh, spirit. So you you've sort of locked into that for a period of time, and you, you want to do other things in the future. Is that the plan? Yeah, I mean the thing I love. I mean I love the flavor of gin. Don't get me wrong. It's not. It's not. It's got nothing to do with a a business decision. It's more a passion for me. Um, yep. But I love the experimentation that you can you can partake with gin. You know, we've uh, guys probably know that follow us is I do a lot of stuff with rotary evaporation as well, so vacuum distillation. Um, so our signature gin that that is purely a I think my camera's back to front. So that is a traditional gin. So that's um, distilled in our copper steel. But then we've got a whole range that I want to do in that'll be a vacuum distilled, so a cold distilled. Um, range of gins and liqueurs as well so eventually we'll move into that and we get cellar door set up hopefully in 12 months hopefully um we'll have a lot of cocktails that we're going to make with our own shrubs and different liqueurs and things that we we'll use to make as well so you know it's at a point where i love those things that can accompany a gin um that you can use to make cocktails but a lot of them it's not viable to go into the market. You know, it's bloody hard enough selling a good gin, let alone selling a fourteen bottle of bitters, fourteen dollar bottle of bitters or something like that. Um, mm. Will we use them in the distillery? And then I think in the future we've just ordered two fermenters with our new still. So I love rum as well, and I love the fact that within reason you can be pretty experimental with rum um in a way that you can be with whiskey etc but that's different it's more your yeasts your aging you know what what barrels you're using and things like that whereas rum is similar but then there's also the fruits that you can use with that as well so i can see myself sort of getting into that in the future but the business is named little juniper for a reason and that is because our core business is gin yeah mm. and so talking about your the the process there we you're talking about the vacuum distillation yeah is that something you're doing on site or do you uh outsource that component of things how, how does the vacuum or how will that work yeah so no we've um so i initially while i was waiting for the for my the parts for my steel to come because we customize that here in australia work with a local stainless steel fabricator and cut up parts Which we one? ordered for steel sorry are you, so you're working with a local steel maker? Or? No, stainless steel fabricator. Right, okay. Yeah, so we ordered the parts from overseas, got them here, and then literally sacrilegiously cut everything up and rebuild it for what we wanted it to do, and it's worked perfectly. Um, yeah. So it was interesting. Before, like, I had a plan of what I wanted to, to do with this steel, little 200-litre steel we've got at the moment. We just ordered a 1,000-litre steel, but we've been using the little 200 litre still and working with him he's worked for distillers and brewers in the past and said you know this is what you're doing is a little different it's not out of the norm the way you're designing things a little bit different how do you know all this is going to work and I said well physics you know a lot of experimentation through what I've read and seen says it should work and he says so have you used a still like this before and I was like mate I've never distilled in my life you know, what <laughs> 
surely you've done something something at home, you know, a little dodgy thing in the background. And I said, no, as soon as I talked about that, doing it, it just yeah. came to fruition that I needed to do this properly and just start a business. So literally we built the steel. The first time I ran it was just with a rough sugar wash, came out, everything worked, and then ran this gin recipe through it, which I had to scale it up. So I basically ran it, could taste the flavor wasn't right, stopped it, adjusted some things in the gin basket, and it ran and sent him off this bottle and just went, holy shit, you made this out of that thing that we put together. So, um, yeah, but before that, I um, had been working with some guys um, based in Sydney. Um, so they use a company called Heidolf, which is a German company. But usually rotary evaporators are used in science labs. Um, mm -hmm. Adelaide Uni uses them here. They're pretty jealous because I've got better gear than them. Um, <laughs> and then over that that year, or while, well, probably probably within the first three months while I was waiting for the steel to come over and we rebuilt that. That was probably a six-month process. Um, I was distilling botanicals in the Rotovap, making gin recipes at different temperatures. Um, so you can run it like a traditional still. You can run it at, you know, 100 degrees, whatever you want. And then it got to the point where my girlfriend at the time would be taking all these gins into her and she'd go, no, that shit's not gin. Go back again, start again. So I just stopped and decided right for the next six months um you know especially with COVID, i thought i'm going to distill a heap of botanicals i had a goal to distill 100 botanicals I ended up distilling nearly 300 so i spent oh, wow. six months every day from 8 a.m i was in there till about 3 a.m uh for six months seven days a week distilling all these different botanicals and building a library up but distilling wow. distilling them at different temperatures and at different vacuum pressures so i knew how that botanical was going to work, you know, from juniper berries to, I mean, I distilled a Mars bar at one point, just all sorts <laughs> of, um, just to know how those botanicals worked. And then I said, right, I want to make a, tr a proper London dry. What's the base of a London dry? I wrote it down. I said, but with me, it's got to be something a little different. Different. So I looked at all the botanicals that I was working with, what complements them, how they work, different ratios, wrote it down on a piece of paper, put it in the Rotovap, and out came the signature gin and basically obviously i had to change that when we then went to the larger 200 liter still um but with what i taught myself about how these botanicals work over time so some of them i distill you know, in the rotovap it might take 45 minutes and you could distill a liter so some of them i would still in the rotovap but get them to distill for three hours so i knew like say for star anise, for example, you could distill a freaking star anise and the flavor would still be coming out two weeks later. It's, it's not. So, you know, when you put that in a still and you're running it for six to eight hours, that botanical is just, its flavor is going to keep going. So I need less of it than I need of this, etc. cetera. Um, mm. so that, that six months of using that Rotovap and distilling all those separate botanicals sort of educated me on what I need to do to make, you know, a recipe as it such, as it were. And the signature wow. gin came out at 21 botanicals, which I cop a lot of shit from from distillers. They're like, oh, 21 botanicals. And then they taste it and they go, okay, now I can see what you're doing. So it's it's sort of a gin. I wanted to make a gin that you could drink neat. So hence, mm -hmm. you've got that star anise, licorice, fennel, 60% juniper berry, um, native pink peppercorn. So you've got that natural sweetness. And then, you know, most people are going to drink with tonic. So we've got the fruits in there that work with them, a bit of lavender that helps bind everything together. So, yeah, I love, I love the science of it. Um, and that's probably what I spend most of my time doing in, in, in the distillery. If I'm distilling a batch of this gin that I'm playing on the Rotovap, we've got a commercial Rotovap, which we kind of have been lent a 20-litre Rotovap. 
and then Heidolf said, you know, we want you to make a, a cold distilled gin. Um, it's like, great, I was using that gear. And it's like, mm, it's still going to take me too long to make something at a commercial quantity. So we then talked about developing a, what I call a maceration tank um, that feeds the rotovap. Um, so yeah. that gets here tomorrow or the day after. So they've designed what they call a reactor because it sounds better. Um, so it's basically this 100-litre reactor that sits behind with an agitator. Uh, it's heated. It can be vacuum. Um, you can pull pressure on it so it can have a vacuum as well. And then we'll reprogram the, the larger rotovap to suck that in, distill it, spit it out, suck in a new lot, distill it, spit it out. So then we've pretty much set up a continuous distillation method for vacuum distilling. Um, wow. And then you, you could have 10 of those maceration tanks set up with all different types of ingredients in them. Wow. Yeah, wow. So the that's possibilities that's there. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I mean, it, it's odd. You get, there are other people, a couple of distillers and barmen that are doing or trying similar things from what they've seen me doing. And it's, you know, the sort of asking how, how you can get that flavor out of something, but it, it, it it's, like the, the easiest analogy I can give you is it's like me giving you a Greek salad that's nice and fresh. It's just come out of the fridge. It's nice and crispy. You're eating it. Or I cook that for six hours and then I give it to you. But then if I give you a fresh potato and tell you to eat that, I go and cook it for an hour or however long and give it to you as a nice soft potato with a bit of butter, what are you going to prefer? So there's certain botanicals that like heat. Um, mm. You know, there's others that, that the idea of it is to be able to make something that's unique because another distiller can't add that herb or that flower or that plant to a still because the heat's just going to kill off that flavor. So something that's a really delicate flavor you can then distill. Um, mm. yeah, that's the idea. Wow. So aside from a Mars bar being yeah. a, a pretty fucking weird thing to distill. <laughs> I knew you were going to ask this. What How else have you found? Well, Do you know, did, you, did, you, did you drop a Mars bar in there? I guess, but yeah, I had to melt it up for pretty much. <laughs> and it made a freaking mess. It took me ages to clean that thing out. I'm not doing yes. that. Yeah. Although the commercial rotovap, the flask on it's got an opening like that. You can put your arm in, whereas my, my, my normal one, it's like that. So I had to liquidize the Mars bar to get it in there. And then when I'd finished, I was like, how the fuck do I get that out? It was uh, <laughs> um, it didn't taste great either. Um, how how, Probably the weirdest thing still in a, a Mars bar because what what are you getting out of a Mars bar when you distill it? Well, the idea is just to get that flavor, that caramel and the chocolate come yeah. across and whatnot. But you've, I mean, that's the hard thing. You can you can distill a fruit with ethanol, or you can use it to clarify things. So I could, you know, I could take a fruit juice in there, or I could take I could put a whiskey in there and have that come out tasting exactly the same. But it's clear. There's no color to mm. it. So right. well, it'll taste exactly the same, but it's pretty pretty bloody close. Um, wow. So like the Davidson Plum Gin I've got, I made up a batch of that and then ran that through the still just to clarify it and see what the flavour would be like. And it's like, eh, it's missing something. But there was this really thick red substance left over, like this gum, and the flavour in that was freaking insane. It was like, yeah, that's that's the stuff that doesn't carry across. It's the natural sugars and the the sweetness and, uh, you know, the acidity and whatnot sometimes doesn't come across. Probably the mm. coolest thing I've distilled was, I don't know if you guys, what we call them here in South Australia, called sour sobs. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, when you go to the park and you get that long green yep. stream with the yellow flowers. And the, the yellow flower on it, yep. Suck on them and they're really bitter. 
that the flavor out of them was fantastic but then i was like well how do i get a commercial amount of this there's plenty of parks around me but how do i know which ones haven't been peed on by dog I was like, All right. <laughs> that is that is the problem with that's the half the flavor that's half the well, flavor if you have a mommy flavor there's that saltiness that came through so i might have mm. gotten the right patch yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's where the yellow comes from on the flowers <laughs> But that, that is the problem with um, having the Rotovap. It just, it, it really expands your mind on what you can do and what you can create. But I've had, you know, flowers, edible things, obviously, flowers and leaves and things like that that I've distilled and the flavour comes out and it's just this fantastic pepperiness. But then you look at, you know, if, if I make this gin and it does well and we need commercial quantities, you know, heaven's forbid I ever turned into four pillars, that'd be great, maybe. Um, you know, how do you literally be growing a farm of these flowers just to get that? So it makes, mm. it, makes it a little bit difficult. Yeah. I've sort of come back to reality now and I just distill things I know that I can I can do in a large quantity. Well, I guess that's, that's half the fun of it, isn't it? Finding yeah. out what does work, what are the possibilities, and I guess you can leave the door open for small batch stuff in the future well, as well with those weird and wonderful fingers things. crossed and i shouldn't be saying this i'm probably going to jinx myself we've just <laughs> taken a lease on a 20 acre farm about 20 minutes out of the city that's so, a lot of sour sob. yeah exactly so i'm just picturing this field of sour sobs and me out there with a the lawnmower and then adding you know throwing the catch into the still so yeah so we've got a, a lot of work ahead of us in the next year hopefully if all goes well wow so is that purely off the back of the success of the signature gin? Uh, yeah, well, that's what we've had out in the market. When you say that success, success of it, it's not like sales have been huge because of COVID, but, you know, I believe in what I'm doing and it's it's my whole it's life. It's giving you the I've, confidence to yeah, take that yeah, my, my other my other, my other business has been put to sleep, so I'm as of about six months ago, I'm full-time little juniper. Um, mm. So, yeah. Is it just yourself, Stuart, or are there other people involved in the business? Yeah, about six months ago, I took on Christina. So she's a brand ambassador and helps with sales. So she works with myself, three other distilleries and a winery. So um, right. financially, it's really affordable. Um, obviously, if I had a rep that was just a little juniper rep, your, your sales would be better. But then there's those initial costs as well. And, you know, we've gone through that um that planning phase, we've got a 10-year plan, which will probably change next week because everything's got to be pretty organic, as you would know. Um, but in that plan, there is to, you know, once we've got the cellar door, the possibility of getting investors on board. We've we've nearly went there, but we pulled back because um, I want to keep control until we're ready to open that cellar door and, you know, you've got something more to offer. And at that point, we'll get some investors in to help, um, help build the business. Yeah. And the idea of that will be then, to have another distiller I can work with, someone that's going to run our bar, but that barman will almost be a distiller in themselves because just the nature of, you know, I could probably have 10 more gins out at the moment, but I enjoy playing too much. So the amount of bitters and things, the non-gin related things that I'm making and experimenting with give me just as much enjoyment as creating a gin. You know, what I can mix with my gin to do something new and to create something new is just as exciting as making another gin so which is not good it's 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 a problem because i should have three or four more gins out there at the moment but <laughs> but the idea is that once we've got the cellar door we can offer people things that they can't get elsewhere you know there's fl mm -hmm. some funky funky cocktails with something that we've distilled um we'll have a, a still basically that little roto vat that the the barman can use as well the bar team um but yeah but also working with those guys on new recipes so it's you know 
Um, even if the cleaner's got a good idea, I want to hear about it. So it's having having that team of people. I'm really looking forward to it. Um, mm. I might actually get more than three hours sleep a night, which would be great. So, or yeah. less. Possibly, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I have thought about that side of it. But no, I love working with people, so... Well, that, that certainly does help. Uh, we've had a couple of interesting comments come through uh, from uh, Rosemary uh, at uh, Black Snake. Uh, to put a, uh, a Mars bar in the next kangaroo pachuga. I wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be interesting. And uh, to follow that up, uh, William Rules, uh, Skippy wouldn't feel like himself until he had a Snickers. <laughs> That one requires some explanation, I think. <laughs> well, I, I, I'm, I'm thinking that it's along the lines of the kangaroo pachuga um, substituting out and, uh, well, Snickers being better than Mars bars, just quietly. Uh, uh, question come through from Simon uh, Gallagher. Out of interest, how many gin flavours is enough? Yeah, it's a tough... I could have released... 10 by now but i am seriously fussy and it's you know everything we release um it's going to take time to make and perfect um you know it's it's nothing you know I've, I've probably got 50 gins that i've made in a shelf downstairs and some of them every once in a while you know some of them are two years old now and i pull it out like the very first gin i made was a lemon myrtle gin and it's like lemon myrtle off the wall and a friend of mine said, I want to taste the first gin you've ever made. And I was like, yeah, great. So we poured some G&Ts and had it. And it's freaking delicious. It's like lemonade, like alcoholic lemonade. It tastes so mm -hmm. good. But there's so much lemon myrtle out there. At that point, I was just like, no. Um, I've got a, some gins I've made with butter, butterfly pea that I'd looked at releasing. And then two other South Australian distilleries released that butterfly pea literally like a week. I was about to get my labels made. I was like, fuck it. I'm not doing it now. So that we put off the side. So... Yeah, for me, it's it is it's about making. I think if, if you're going to release anything to the market these days, it's got to be something that your confidence is going to win some awards and is going to do well. Because there is in the gin industry, as you guys would know, it's just flooded. There's so much out in the market at the moment. So I don't I don't want to release something that's you know half-assed, and I enjoy experimenting too much to you know mm. quickly release something. It's always going to be something that's a little complex and different. Yeah. Mm. So given that there is so much gin out there and so much new gin being released every day, when you've got the punter standing in the bottle shop looking at this this wall going, which one do I buy? How do you stand out? Yeah, branding. I mean, that that's the other thing I'd say to people is branding is number one. Your... Um, I'm lucky enough that, you know, in the last 25 years, I've worked in film and TV, visual effects, media, the computer game industry. So everything for me was visual. This this is the first tangible thing I've made in my life that's not on a freaking screen. It's, you know, it's so nice to actually hold that and to be able to watch someone drink it and see their reaction. You know, when you work on a Hollywood movie, it's great to see your name up in the titles, but you look and no one's going, oh, Stuart McKinnon, they don't, they don't know who the hell people are. They don't know whether you're American, Australian, whatever. And it's not an ego thing. It's just that pride of making something that people notice that stands out. Um, mm. I know when I first 
first released our gin. I went to a couple of bars and I'd pull the bottle out of the bag and I remember Marcus at Haynes and go going, fuck, we'll take it. And I was like, you haven't even tried it yet. And he goes, I don't care. I want that bottle on my bar. I was like, why? Yeah. That is just a stunning label that suits our bar to a T. Um, mm. That's a 3D render, by the way. So it's not an actual photo. People keep asking me that. Um, it, looks very it looks very realistic. Yeah, mm. I, can see, I can see the faults in it, but I pick everything. Yeah, but um, you're, you're, you'd be your own worst enemy in that regard. You don't yeah. tell people that that is a 3D render. I know. I know. <laughs> I'm, I'm too honest. I'm an open book. I'm an open book. Um, From a design standpoint, it really pops, though, doesn't it? it does. yeah. yeah, yeah. It's it's hard. Everyone said to me, "Don't use gold foil," and I was like, "No, it can work if it's contrasty." There are some instances where you get a. I'll see it sitting on the shelf in a bottle shop, and they've got really bad lighting, and it's like mm -hmm. it just dims it a lot, um, mm -hmm. which is always a shame. But yeah, it's it's I like it. Yeah. It's you know, sort of for me, it harks back to that. I suppose the Gatsby era when you, yes. know, you had pro prohibition, everyone was partying. We've come out of prohibition. Gin was a big thing, and to me, that's kind of the renaissance we've had in the last five, I mean, almost ten years. It's like that gin renaissance all over again. It it is the most versatile spirit you can use for cocktails and everything. So, um, yeah, doesn't surprise me. You were talking before that the cocktail, cocktail. I suppose love for people has come back. Um, but yeah, getting back to the branding, that for me, it was the first time that I actually got to create something for myself that wasn't for someone else. And then you have, you know, the frustration of when you're working for an agency, even when you've got your own agency and you've got a client and you go to them with this fantastic idea, you've got 50 people behind you that working for you that just love it. They're like, man, this is awesome. You go and the client can't, they can't see it. They just can't. They're not a visual person. You do all you can with storyboarding and show them. And they're just not, yeah. not right. And then they ask for something that you really don't want to make that, that yeah. really sucks. That's really tough. Yeah. In there. <laughs> It's like, there. trust me, this is going to work. But no, no way. So, yeah, it's, um, yeah, I'm pretty happy with it. It's, it's definitely kept me busy. Um, mm -hmm. So, all the, the 3D stuff I do as well, I've got some guys that I work with the industry help out a little bits and pieces here and there. Um, but, yeah, it'd be just good to have more hours in the day to do more of it. Now, it would be nice to try something that I haven't actually tried on the stream before. But I'm going to see whether I can actually show mm -hmm. your website because it's one that I really, really like. Um, and as a website person myself, um, ooh, that was a bit loud. Um, I just, I, I think you've done a fantastic job. Um, let me see if I can hit the share button. Share. I can hear a cricket somewhere. Is that? I think that's my resident cricket. Oh, okay. Because there, there was some audio on this video. Yeah, I might have one or two outside as well. There, there you go. go. So um, how'd you, how long did it take to train the butterfly to sit there that long? Oh, the <laughs> bug wouldn't, yeah, it was really hard. It was, but, but all I had to do was put a couple of drops of that gin on there and get him a little a little merry, and he just sat there yeah. for ages until he yeah, finally yeah. fell off and landed on the ground. That's where he gets his butterfly pee from. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that was the dribble on the other end as it came out. There you go. Oh, very good, Todd. <laughs> special gin, special release. You know, you've got the coffee beans that the cats eat and poo out. We've now got oh, the yeah. butterfly pee. There you go. <laughs> you know, it's not a botanical as such. 
and and then of course a little bit of uh, color and movement there with the uh, yeah, with good. the water under the uh, the signature. Um, yeah, I just thought that was fantastic. So you've obviously yeah. you've won a few awards in your short time. Yeah, I've won a couple. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. I mean, you've been going. So how when you first went to market? How long has it been since you first? A year, a year and a half, but probably a year in the proper market. So a year and a half ago, I had my stoppers were stuck in Portugal for bloody six months nearly. So a year and a half ago, I bottled everything. I think it was was Christmas. A year and a half ago, Christmas, I had 220 pre-orders and I literally spent the 23rd and the 24th, like freaking Santa Claus, driving around South Australia, hand-delivering these bottles. Because I said to everyone, yes, you're going to have them for Christmas, half of them are Christmas gifts. <laughs> Um, it was actually the first lot of bottles I delivered was at six o'clock in the morning in a suburb not far from here. And it was four bottles and bags. I dropped them off and they heard the jingling, but the kids went outside. Like Santa Claus was here, we can hear jingling. And they walked back in with these bags of gin going, Santa Claus is tremendous presents. And the father came in and said, no, they're my freaking presents, not yours. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to be quiet and wake everyone up. So it was like, yeah, it was like 6 a.m. till bloody 11 o'clock at night delivering people. And everyone wants to talk to you. And it's like, I can't. I've got three minutes to get to the next place I've got to go. So, so yeah, um, pretty much a year and a half in the market. And then after that, that was online sales. And then we slowly sort of got out into bars. And um, it was interesting. I had Marcus from Haynes & Co. sort of saying to me, how many bottle shops are you in? And it's like, yeah, I've got to start looking at bottle shops. And he's like, mate. We are a feeder to the bottle shops, the amount of people that are coming in and trying your gin and saying, where do I get it from? So it was that fine line of being in a couple of bottle shops and then getting into bars, which then talk about your gin and then feed into bottle shops as a whole. I mean, making the stuff is the easy bit. Selling it is the hardest, definitely, by far. It is, you know, you, you could win triple golds and everything, well, man, maybe that would make a difference. But, yeah, it doesn't matter how many awards you win. Nobody really cares about them. For me, it was it was knowing that what I'm making is of a quality that someone's doing a blind tasting from overseas as a professional and they say it's good. And also getting the notes. I thought the notes would be great, but fuck my, the notes on my gin are so incorrect, it's not funny because it's it, that's 21 botanicals confuses a bejesus out of everyone you know you get these great notes and they're saying oh maybe you could do this you could do that and then you get a double gold that's like that's not even in my gin it's they just get yeah pretty especially americans because as you know you've got a lot of botanicals in there not necessarily australian but you've got pink peppercorn and things like that but i think a lot of their gins are pretty much your london dry standard whereas this is definitely not mm. So uh, another question's come in from William. Have you worked with Quandongs? And uh, not yet. I've got a Quandong dealer, <laughs> but um, <laughs> I used to. I played around years ago with Quandong Jam, and as this, yeah, it's you don't get much out of them. So that's something that we mm. will be doing. Yeah, it's a bit weird saying I'm just going to call him a dong dealer. Yeah, <laughs> a dong dealer. Oh dear! I tickle myself. It's interesting when you get when you you like. I've literally the amount of 
fruit and things I get offered to get dropped off to me and the most obscure stuff, it is mm-hmm. it's incredible. You know, someone will find, because I know what I'm like, like literally I'll go for a walk with my dog and I'll smell something and I'll spend 15 freaking minutes trying to figure out where that smell's coming from. It drives me nuts. But mm-hmm. people know that I'm like that. So they will find something and then bring it to me. And it's like, this is great. You know, what is this? Oh, yeah, there's, you know, this tree only makes four of these a year. And there's like one tree in South Australia. It's like, well, don't show me that. That's not fair. So, <laughs> not quite practical, is it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, did you get the opportunity to wander around Ginpalooza, uh, which is where I uh, met you, um, and see what the competition's doing? A little bit, not not as much as I would have liked to, but a little bit, yeah, yeah. It was interesting. There was certainly like, some some interesting botanicals being used, and what, in my conversation with walking around, chatting with as many people as I could whilst getting quite well loaded, um, a lot of it I don't remember. But I guess one of the most consistent things that I saw was everyone saying that we use only Australian botanicals. Yeah, or 100 yeah. Australian botanicals, or we've got X amount of botanicals in there. Yeah. Do you think it starts to lose its meaning after a little while? Um, I don't know how you use 100 percent botanicals because no one's growing um, juniper berry there, but there are in in Australia. But there are a lot of gins mm. out there that I think mm. there would be a thousand liters of alcohol, and they drop a juniper berry in there and call it gin. So. Um, you know, I'm a, I'm a bit against that. I'm a bit old fashioned. Our gin's 60% of our botanical load is juniper berry. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, it's like I said, my lemon myrtle gin. I started thinking this whole business was going to be Australian, it was going to be you know, Australian glass, Australian corks, Australian labels, Australian this, Australian that. You try to get anything in Australia, it's near impossible unless you're a winery, then yes, you can get it. There's just not enough enough distilleries well it hasn't been in the past to warrant the number of manufacturing needs so the same thing for botanicals i think you could i think yeah i don't for me it is making a traditional base and then adding that australiana to it i think it's worth mm-hmm. doing um otherwise your gin's almost shying away from being a gin if that mm-hmm. makes sense yeah um, yeah so then how do you feel about barrel aged gins Oh, that's a tough one. I, I was given a little, my barber, who's Greek, um, He's he gets people just literally, his barber shop is like a museum. People just dump stuff in there. He's got all these collectibles. He's got some bottles of, he doesn't even drink, or he actually drinks my gin, but nothing else. He's got bottles of spirits and all sorts of stuff. And he has a little port keg out the back because he knows I love port. So when I get a haircut, I get my little glasses of port. And I was in there, I don't know, last year, and he had this little Italian oak barrel. I said, what's that one got in it? And he goes, nothing, it's new. I said, what are you going to do with it? And he goes, I don't know. Someone dropped it off here. And I looked at it and it was a good brand. And he goes, can you use it? I was like, do you know what? I could oak some of my gin and see what it's like. And it was, you know, you, you get those flavors like over that period of time, you just go, oh, that was a waste of six liters of gin. And then two weeks later, it's like, oh my God, that's fantastic. Another two weeks, well, it tastes like shit. So it just went through all of those different flavor profiles and then in the end it was i left it in there too long the flavor was fantastic but i've got a christmas gin i made up dumped it in there and it worked really well so Mm. making yeah i mean making a barrel aged gin it depends if you're going to put gin in a barrel that's had whiskey or bourbon or rum in it then 
is it gin anymore? It's, it's, it, it is, you know, they do taste a little more like whiskey, rum or bourbon or whatever mm -hmm. they've been put in. So I think it depends on what you're going to do with it. Um, mm -hmm. I would, I think having a, a port or a sherry barrel would be great and doing some of that. I know, which is really odd because I love my ports and you think port would be sweeter, but I know sherry, sherry barrels work better with that. Um, so I'm not against barrel aging, but it just depends if you're, if you're putting, like I said, if you're putting gin in a barrel that's had whiskey in it and there's still whiskey in it that tastes like whiskey, then I probably don't understand the point, but yeah, mm. each their own. Yeah. Yeah, it's a question of balance, isn't it? It's, it is. It is. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, partic particularly with the gin, you've got to have a gin which is, is going to punch through yeah. and, and work well with what's been in the barrel before. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And that's, that is the good thing about our signature gin. It is very punchy. We do a one-shot distillation method, so you guys know what that is. So it comes out. There's a absolute bucket load of flavor in there. So whatever you mix it with, it never disappears. It's always there. And it, it really did work well on the oak. I was surprised. It kept its flavor. You know, some other people tried it, and they were just like, wow, it just added this sort of woodiness and this caramelization that I couldn't have got any other way um so in that sense yeah great but it was a it was a new a new barrel it had not had anything in it so it's not picking up whiskey or you know mm. those rum flavors or anything you know if i want that yeah, right. I'd rather good whiskey i think could you i've got on um, on tonics I'm, I'm quite interested mm. in this so most people when you when you talk about gin they think gin and tonic and uh they just put tonic into a box tonics tonic but uh, as we know tonics not tonics there, there's all sorts of different tonics so how do how do you how do you work with the minefield that is tonics and yeah it's and a good question it's it's i mean i wish fever trees mediterranean tonic that stuff's like some dark science it were it seems to work with everything it's really good it's you know it is sweet but it's not overly sweet um we get the, you know there are some older people that love my gin and they will have it with schweppes and i just oh it's like okay it's it's a it's an old school tonic but it's just full of sugar my gin yes. still works with it but try this and they go oh, i'm not spending that in the tonic as soon as they try it they're like oh my god that's just next level so um you know like we were we did the event in sydney and long rays when when we first looked i think long rays came out and they had a tonic and a soda and i was desperate to use them because they're great guys they're queensland based australian based sorry um but the tonic didn't quite work with our gin because our gin is quite rich and then at the event just before the event they had a rep come over with people their different tonics and the call that they've done as well and they've got a new pacific tonic which is like mediterranean but it's lighter and less sugary and that was just fantastic so it's i think Part of the big resurgence with gin is thank you know thanks to tonics, decent tonics being out there. Um, mm. They've got so many. There are so many great brands out there doing different things. Um, you got some tonics that some of them I've tasted. I think I I wouldn't I can't think of many gins that will go with. But then we mix our gin with it, and it's like holy crap! It just it does something else to it. It brings out all of these other profiles and botanicals in our gin that I can I can tell it kind of lets certain things amplify. Um, which I find is really exciting, but with maybe a, a standard London dry, it might get lost in that. So, um, so yeah, I, I enjoy tonics just as much as I do exploring with gin um, to the point where 
I even thought about making my own, but I think there's people out there that are doing it pretty well, and there's only so many hours in the day as well. So, <laughs> indeed. Now, certainly there were some some great uh, tonics um, at at Gin Blueser. So long yeah. long days certainly were the sponsor. I think they did they take long away race. from Long Ray. Sorry, they long took it away race. from Beaver Tree, didn't they? Possibly, I don't I think. Know. And yeah. then there was Waterhole. Uh, so Waterhole, well. yeah, Waterhole had some really interesting tonics. There was one that mixed with my gin. It was like it had this um, almost like a coconut flavor come through, but it has basil mm. in there, no coconut. And I'm like, it's got to yeah, be coconut. Yeah. I'm like, no. So they were sending a heap of people over to us. They'd come over with their little cups and they'd try the tonic. They go, oh, that's okay. And then we'd put our gin in. They're like, oh my god, that's just incredible. So the flavors like these almost caramelization that came through was fantastic. It was really interesting. But mm. no, to most people who are your straight gin and tonic aficionados, they're going to go, well, that's not a proper tonic. But it's it's to me, it's it's creating a cocktail almost. It's doing something really mm. different, really funky. Um, so with the right gin, yeah. They, they were really interesting tonics. I hadn't tried them before. Yeah, yeah. I think I first tried them at the um, uh, the craft booze markets. Yeah. Uh, we were, Todd yeah. and I were there doing a stall uh, for Craftworks. And yeah, they were there and, I think I took home a box of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I meant to, and I forgot when I left because you're too busy packing up and you turn around there, everyone's gone. It's like, oh, you know. Yeah. Yeah. We are the distillers. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So, on tonics, I, I've just poured myself a um, one that I did find at the um, at Gin Palooza, which is Gin Fusion. God, my lighting is terrible today. Right. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. Can't quite it is completely it. blown out. Uh, gin fusion is the blood orange with Japanese yuzu. Oh, yum. Which is really quite nice. And I've just paired it with a cappy dry. Yeah. So cappy dry works really well with our gin as well. Even the, uh, what's the other one? The cappy, the yellow bottle. It's their normal. Mm. It's like, like they're Indian, but there's less sugar. Plus they're Australian, yep. which I like. Um, but yeah, I mean, it is, it is a tough one. I don't have a favorite. It's, you know, it is. A lot of it, um, I think the Fever Tree Mediterranean works really well. The Fever Tree Ginger Beer. So we do a what we call a little mule, which thanks to our online bartender, Matt, is basically it's a Moscow mule but with our gin. And that is just freaking fantastic. We do events and we'll have cocktails where there's gin and tonic or a little mule. And that event might go for four hours. For two hours, everyone's drinking gin and tonics. And then one person will come up and say, can I try a Moscow a little mule? And you go, sure, and you make them one up. 15 minutes later, everyone's drinking little mules. No one's ordering gin and tonics. It's just, it, it is, it's so different. Um, so their ginger beer I love because it's really nice and peppery. Then they've got an elderflower tonic, which with our gin is just to die for. It's really good as well. So, so yeah, it sounds like your gin goes with pretty well any tonic. It does, that but I do say. find some that are, that are a little lighter that my gin overrides. Normally the tonic yeah, overrides yeah. the gin, whereas some our gin will override it. Um, not that many, but and then I love a sonic as well. So half tonic, half soda water. You know, when you're trying to watch calories. Sonic. And what, yeah. Yeah, a sonic. Yeah. That's, that's well, sonic. It's a thing. It's a thing. Wow. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. You learn something well, I, new. I, I wanted. To make, I was drinking a lot of gin with soda because I was putting on weight. Which now, since yeah. starting Little Juniper, I put on about 15 kilograms because I'm just. 
working so much, you'd think you'd lose weight, but it's not the case. It's Quality control. What I'm making. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, <laughs> there's nothing like your own gin when it comes off the still at 91%. Oh, oh. beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> Although I think that might be the reason for my indigestion lately. <laughs> but, yeah, it's um, – I think tonics, tonics play a big part, definitely. Mm. So I think in a couple of weeks we're talking to um, Lindsay from Down Gin Lane. Yeah. Uh, uh, gin uh, subscription service. So I'm, I'm going to be interested to sort of hit him up about how he selects his gins to go in it when there is such a huge market. When Put in so a good much... word for us. <laughs> I'm on. <laughs> we were actually meant to have Crafty's got something better to do. Uh, that yeah. night, so um, we were meant to have Ali from uh, Karu on. Ali is, yeah, yeah. Yep. But now she's got something better to do, well, so um, it's just going to be well, you and me, Todd. Oh, well, it'll be fine. Yeah, <laughs> to Lindsay. Yeah, wing it. Well, Lindsay likes bagging out goggles anyway, so. Is that it? <laughs> Lindsay likes bagging out biggles anyway. <laughs> I've got a. I've got a. I have to do it. I don't lose them. I don't lose my glasses now. No. <laughs> That's the reason I got them. They're big. I can't lose them. And no one wants to steal them. <laughs> so what's Where do next? You want to go overseas, Stuart? Sorry? Yeah, what? Where do you want to go overseas? Where, From a gin perspective, what's exciting to you? I just, just going to Sydney was exciting for me. Bloody, <laughs> 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 being stuck in Adelaide. Shit, no, I love Adelaide. Adelaide's a beautiful place. Um, I, it's that's a tough one. I'd love to go to Scotland to do a lot of the whiskey distilleries, and um, I, yeah, it's 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 an odd question for me. It would be anywhere, really. It's yeah. like it it is. It doesn't matter whether it's a rum distillery, a whiskey distillery. Uh, vodka distillery, a gin distillery. It's, it's it's all it's that science behind it that I love. The people that I love. It's a freaking. It's an awesome industry. It's having. Um, I'm going to cop a lot of grief for this, but having worked in the advertising and marketing industry, your best friend will stab you in the back to take your client. Oh, when I first when I first mentioned that I was launching Little Juniper, and it was like, hey, we're about to bottle our first batch of gin. I had two distilleries here in Adelaide say to me, hey bring your ethanol up to us. We'll bottle it and we'll label it for you because we know you're doing it on your own. That's a shit of a job. I was like, no, no, no. I've got to figure out what it's like. I've got to do everything myself. At the end of it, I was like, fuck that. Next time, if anyone offers, no one has. I'm sending it off. It is, it is a bugger of a job, yeah. as you guys know. Oh, but yeah. it is the industry, even overseas, it's like I'm going to – I don't know how, but I got into a Facebook group where it's it's a bunch of – I didn't know, but it's it's – can't remember the name of it, it changes something is about botanicals, but it's about all of these crazy botanicals that are used. Um, I was sort of looking at it and ended up getting on board. And about six months later, this guy who's a very well-known American distiller comes back, and everyone's like, Oh, it's great to have you back. And he goes, Yeah, I've been in South America setting up a distillery there and working for them. And then he contacted me privately and said, Who are you and what are you doing on our group? I was like, oh, I'm, just, I'm just a guy in, in Adelaide and Australia doing some stuff with a rotovap and I've got a still coming and still learning and I'm distilling all these separate botanicals. Da, da, da. Why is that? And he goes, well, this is a um, an American, South American industry forum set up for 
people who have been in the industry for 20 or 30 years. Um, we're, all, we're all high end distillers. And I was like, so sorry, I don't know how I got into this group. I got accepted. <laughs> I'm literally, I'm like the baby. I'm a, I'm a baby and I've, you know, hardly distilled for more than a year and a half, et cetera. Um, that's fine. Just kick me out. And then he came back to me and he said, no, it's really interesting because you're doing what your Australia is in, is in a headspace that America was in in the 80s and 90s. And now corporatization and marketing and dollars have taken over. All of this experimentation's gone. The stuff that you're doing, we all love and we want to be doing again. You're actually inspiring us to do more things. And I was like, oh, cool. But I'll wow. still, I'll jump out. And they're like, no, 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 we want you to stay here. So yeah. it's really good. You'll ask some questions and you've got these guys that have been in the industry for 30 years that rattle off a whole line of stuff. And I'm sitting there going, I know what 90% of this is, but this other 10%, what the? And it's, yeah, it really gets your brain ticking away. So. <laughs> But no, the industry is just full of fantastic people. So traveling wise, it, it'd be anywhere really. That's that's a tough yeah. question. Yeah. Mm. And what's what's next? So you've you're just releasing the. Yep. So we've got this little guy here, labelless at the moment. So um, we the should... rare plum. I'm hoping to launch that one for World Gin Day. But um, if anyone from MCC Print is listening or watching, then come on, guys. Come on, give me a, give me a hand up here. No, I just need my labels done by then. But um, sort of probably mid-June that one will be. I'm looking at my calendar over there. Mid-June, hopefully we'll launch that one. If not, a bit earlier, earlier if I'm lucky, World Gin Day. Right. Um, so that, then... is, that, that is a gin base similar to this one, to a signature mm -hmm. gin. Um, and then we've added hibiscus, and then it sits on the Davidson plums for four months. So basically, and then a little bit of sugar as well. So um, organic um, raw sugar, just to bring out the get rid of the tartness of the plums as well. Um, mm. So yeah, it was interesting. I had I've got I think 500 liters of that. I put down, added the plums, macerated them in the tank the next day when they defrosted, and then came back. Two weeks later, tried it and went, oh, shit, what have I done? I've just wasted 500 litres of gin. I thought, oh, I'll just leave it. Came back a month later. I was like, oh, God, that tastes like shit. Two months later, still tastes like shit. I was like, well, I've done it now. I just sort of left it in the corner and then started working on another recipe. And then it got to that three-month point and all that bitterness had died off from the – because we hadn't put sugar in it at that point, so it was just the natural sugars in the gin – turn all that bitterness into a nice sweetness and all of a sudden yeah. the earthiness of the plums come through. So within that three, left it there for four months and that three months, it's like, holy shit, this is really good. So it was, mm. yeah, it was a bit of a worry for a while there. But <laughs> So do you think you'd be able to replicate that again? Oh, yeah, yeah. I've done everything so I can replicate it. It's just, it yep. is a four-month period. Like I put another lot down yesterday because I'm mm -hmm. worried that the first batch might sell out too quickly and then everyone's got to wait another oh, three months. So. <laughs> <laughs> is there any sort of um, uh, environmental concerns with that? Because putting something down for a period of time, um, given we've been through a the wettest period in living memory, yep. Um, yep. how do you think that would affect the product or has it affected the product in any way hasn't affected it needs that four months for it for the that that sweetness to come through in the plums but you, yep. you you make a good point there is so we work with two aboriginal communities it was a local a local um aboriginal store here and through them we work with two farms in new south wales so that's where we get the plums from 
Um, and I'm sort of looking at it going, okay, I li literally the day I bought 100 kilograms of plums, I had to go out and spend 600 bucks on the deep freeze because it is, it's literally a two-body deep freeze. Um, and then I said to them, okay, if this goes well, I'm going to need some more plums. And they're like, oh, the farm's got flooded, so there's no plums at the moment. We've got about 40 kilograms. I was like, all right, put my name on those 40 kilograms. So it is it's a bit stressful. And when something like that happens, all of a sudden you release a product and then you can't make it again. But we do still have, I've probably got 80 kilograms of plums sitting there still for the, that, that should do us for the year, I think. Mm. And that, that, that's one of the big things for me is getting stuff in season. Um, so we yeah. will, um, certain fruits, we will treat a different way. So there's a certain fruit, we'll get in 300 kilograms of it dehydrate it we use the whole fruit and then that gets added to the gin basket so i know mm. you know that's like one of the worst two weeks of my life when we get that 300 kilograms of fruit in you've got to cut it all up and dehydrate it we've got a commercial dehydrator but it's still it's like every day for 12 hours a day you're just cutting and drying fruit um we've got that with two fruits actually which is not great and they are seasonal so you could get them from the us but i want to use locally grown stuff so we get it all from local growers um, to the mm. point which is the other point of the 20 acre farm so we've we're looking at getting contracts with local farms up in the hills near where our distillery is going to be and just saying we need you know 300 to 500 kilograms of this every year and it'll get to the point where they'll just say right that crop is yours um, mm. you own those trees you own that you own that and we get that fruit every year which is great because it keeps them um, I suppose they've then got a locked in contract per year where they know yeah, they they're have. getting all this business um, and I want to grow a lot of that out on our own as well because we are certified organic. Um, everything we do is sustainable. So like we've got we grow our own kaffir limes, and I think for the last I probably put them in two and a half years ago, and the limes are all, always about that big. And then we started taking the the you know whatever's left in the still from when we're finished distilling. We then put that's probably at about three percent alcohol. So we then pour that onto the garden where we're growing everything, and then everything out of the gin baskets. We've got an internal gin basket and then an external one. That all gets macerated up and put onto the plants as compost. And our happy limes, as of this week, are about this big. Like <laughs> huge. So everything there is no waste in our distillery, um, which wow. I love. And that's the big thing about having the farm is being able to go from paddock to glass, no waste. Um, you know, you, you shouldn't be st sticking food scraps in a bin, you know, if you've got mm. plants you want to you want to grow stuff because it's free compost and they go through the roof of the growth cycles and things. So, yeah. Mm. And the flavors noticed as well. Like a lot of the herbs and things we grow, like literally, well, ch I'll charge up the steel and then whatever's going in the, the cart ahead. Um, I literally walk out into the garden and pick everything, put it in, and it goes straight in. So you're distilling something that was picked 30 minutes ago, you know, and that freshness and that flavour and that aroma that comes off of it, it's, it's so much better than you're going to buy in a, a dehydrated, dried bag of whatever it is, you know. Um, mm. So we love that freshness, yeah. Yeah, wow. That is cool. I, 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 I think, I, I think I'm hogging all the questions. Todd, off you go. <laughs> You're saying you're working with the indigenous community. Do they help you source some unique, locally acquired um, botanicals? Yeah, well, that's the Davidson plums at the moment. So they are a natural, a native Australian plum. Um, we will put some trees in, but uh, the place where the farm's going to be in Ashton gets a little frosty. So from what I've read, we should be able to grow something. But the trees yeah. will also, they get so bloody tall, the fruit grows on the... Um, 
the trunk of the tree. It's quite an odd fruit. And then mm. they basically shake the tree so they drop off. When they drop off, they're right. They're ready to eat. So, um, mm. so at the moment, yeah, we're sort of – I like the fact that we're supporting those farms as well. Um, and we probably – even when we grow our own, we will still be using theirs as well. So it's both. Mm. Are there any other sort of in, uh, Indigenous um, influences that you want to bring into a future release? Yeah, definitely. It's, I mean, a, a lot of it, it is, you know, going back to that Australian, a lot of people have been doing it already. So it's, it's mm. a matter of looking at something new as well. And I love, mm. I love the fact, you know, I wish, like I said, I wish I could get all of my botanicals and everything where we do buy our botanicals from an Australian dealer, um, mm. but a lot of them need to come from overseas. Um, yeah. So I, I, you know, wish we could grow all of that stuff in Australia. You're supporting Australian farms and whatnot. Um, so yeah, there, there are definitely some other indigenous things that we're going to look to use in the future. The hard thing is, is getting that, um, that continuous supply as well um, because mm. of weather, because a lot of them are, they're natively grown, so they're, they are farms as such, but they're still natively grown, and they pick them off the land. So you can't sort of guarantee you're going to get 100 kilograms every year, which is a bit of a worry. Um, so once again, it comes back to that whole commercial thing. You know, Not that we'll ever be a four pillars, but the worst thing for me would be to release this great gin, and then all of a sudden the next year you can't make it because you don't have X, Y, Z, you need to go with it. So, mm. you know, Which is what, why most distilleries and most gins you come out with they are quite um i wouldn't say standardized but they will use things that you know you're going to get a lot of you know orange peel lemon peel all that sort of stuff whereas mm. i will Safe do that yeah whereas on the opposite i tend to like making something a little different and it's not safe so there is there is that business <laughs> risk there but you know i like the fact that yeah. it is a little different yeah wow yeah. and doing it with a smile all the time yeah, it's weird. I said to someone the other day, they said, do you have any regrets? And I said, I'll go to my grave with no regrets because this has been the best and the most hectic three years of my life. And oh, yeah. not once have I worried. I do worry because I've got to pay my mortgage. I'm not paying myself a wage and I probably won't be for the next two years. So financially, it's it's just like this. You know, you get all these invoices paid. And you're like, yes, I've got money. And it's like, oh, hang on. I've got three grand of bottles to order. I've got more this, more that. And it's gone the next day and then some. So financially, it's tough, but it is, it's just, I don't know, especially for me being sustainable and organic, it's something that we, we spend a lot more money than other distilleries do on product and mm -hmm. packaging as well. But at the end of the day, that for me was a cost from day one. That's the cost of doing business. You know, I've got two young kids and um, I like the fact that I always said if I started up a manufacturing business, it's got to be something that's not going to be detrimental to the environment. So um, mm -hmm. that does unfortunately come at a cost. It shouldn't. Well, it was for you. I think on the whole sustainability side, that's somewhere that we're all going to end up having to go. So you're, yeah. you're going to have a head start on the rest of us yeah. in the end mm -hmm. anyway because... Obviously, I mean, it's, 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 it's like with cooling your still. You know, if you've got a if you've got a big enough water supply, it's hard. If you're distilling every day, you're obviously going to need a chiller to cool it down. But you can circulate that water. Whereas, you know, there's some distilleries that I know will literally turn the tap on and it all goes down the drain. You know, that's that's been the norm for a long time. But mm. that water's been warmed to you know however many degrees. There's nothing wrong with it. So, you know, um, yeah, makes it makes it. There are things that you can do that make it sustainable make your business more sustainable that don't cost the earth um 
but it it does make things tougher you know mm. it's you know when you come into you want to distill two days in a row and you're holding tanks with water is still at 30 degrees and you're kind of screwed so then you end up setting up a thermo fan with big radiators and you're going well now i'm running electricity it's like you know well it's so damned if i do damned if i don't but but you know we've got a fifty-five thousand liter water supply at the moment and that never gets warm so that's does the job yeah mm. so is there any sort of one little thing that you think from a sustainability point uh, standpoint isn't done enough but is relatively easy and inexpensive to do that you I'd think say, every distillery should get on board with yeah for me it would be that cooling water definitely yep. mm. yeah yeah it's it's not it's difficult because it takes space you've got to have tanks um or you have smaller tanks and you chill it overnight and then you're using electricity again so for me the idea of having a farm is having space like the the landlord i was up there today yesterday i can't remember the days blend into each other um <laughs> talking to him about putting tanks in he's just like oh you know we'll stick a you know twenty five thousand liter tank there and we'll put another one here you can have a whole row because there's the room and whatnot and they're cheap and you know i'm, I'm thinking in the last two years the properties i've been looking at were farms which were not affordable and then warehousing so warehousing you've got big slimline tanks so i've been looking at slimline tanks you know you're spending twenty thousand dollars on tanks and it's like hang on a round one's a quarter of the price so mm-hmm. um, it's having you know having his support's been really good as well he's he's 100 on board with what we're doing the sustainability organics and everything which has been great um, mm-hmm. but yeah it's not, it's not if you've got the room it's not hard to do that i can understand yeah, right. For everyone, you know, there's a lot of distilleries that you see that are in little warehouses, and it's like, mm. how without, how do you do that? How do you store that amount of water for a, you know, a 500 liter, a thousand liter still? Because you need a lot. Mm. Yeah. yeah, right. That is an interesting one, particularly with, um, well, at the moment we don't have, seem to have a shortage of water. <laughs> oh, we will. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The time it'll all disappear. Oh, absolutely. Uh, La Nina will disappear. Our Nina will come in and we'll be stuffed again. Yeah. Well, technically, we're out of uh, drought in New South Wales. It's just been announced, which is like, holy hell. You've gone from from one extreme to the other overnight. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) Can I just say, Crafty, you look really fucking cold. I am, mate. I'm freezing. I'm really cold, He's making me cold. It's bloody warm here. <laughs> Look at that so, t-shirt. Well, t-shirt. I need to re- <laughs> reconsider what I'm bringing with me tomorrow. Is what you're telling me? Yeah, I think it's. Uh, I think it's going to be a cold weekend. Yeah. <laughs> you're not yeah. wearing our jacket though, so that's a bit disappointing. No, because no, I'm working. Oh, okay. Isn't it, isn't it funny? You, you, you it get... was a working jacket that you bought us. Well, yeah. Well, it'll become a working jacket, but not this stuff. Sorry, Stuart, you were going to say? Funny, when you're in a distillery and it's wintertime and you're distilling, you huddle up around near the steel because it's warm, but you've got other oh, things yeah. to do. You're always freaking cold. Come summertime and you're running that still, it's like you, you're sweating your balls off because it's so bloody hot. It's so <laughs> You can't win. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Stay away from it for sure. And and yes, uh, it's um, well whiskey day this weekend, isn't it? And, it is. Uh, there'll certainly be the uh, uh, the big do out of Blackgate, which we went to last year. Yeah, last year. Last year. Fucking cold. <laughs> oh my god, that was fucking cold. 
Um, uh, big roaring fires. Ah, oh, absolutely. Fires. Yeah. Just not around you still. No, 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 you don't get anywhere near it. <laughs> Actually, that, that would be nice. Cold weather sitting in front of a fire with whiskey. You can't go wrong, can you, really? No, no. Well, that's, that's the thing. For me, whiskey is, a, is more of a winter drink. Because yeah. it is it is very warming and it's it's comfy and it's homey, and I use um, gin as my my summer fresh, floral, light, refreshing. Um, I, I I've been stocking up on on my gins, as you can see from the <laughs> the bottom that. shelf there that I've run out of room on. Where's our bottle? Uh, well, you haven't posted it to me yet. <laughs> My order's in. <laughs> uh, actually, I, I've with our with our signature gin because I made it. I mean, you, you make it. I wanted to make it for a, a neat sipping gin, but also you know it's going to go with tonic. But we tend to find it sells quite well in winter because a lot right. of whiskey drinkers. Like one thing I love is at those shows, like in Sydney, you get you know the wife said, "My God, this gin's fantastic," and then you, you go to the husband, "Do you want to try?" And it's like, "Oh, he won't. He won't try gin. He can't stand gin." It's like, "Excellent. Come over here. We've got a gateway gin for you." So it's like, pour it for them neat, and they they drink it. It's like, I can drink that neat. That's fantastic. Mix it with tonic. No, I don't want tonic. Mix it with tonic. Something else. So then, that's what I find in winter. A lot of husbands are drinking our gin neat. We do. We've had some email complaints about that from the wives. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. Did you, did you notice a, um, a, a proportional difference between the men and women at, at Jim Palooza? Um, that's interesting. Like we, I, I, online sales. Ninety-five percent of our online sales go to New South Wales, and ninety-five percent of those sales are female. Mm -hmm. uh, whereas at Gin Palooza, there was there was a good amount of males there as well. Um, mm. Yeah, I mean there were you do get larger groups of women that will come in because they're all gone with yep. friends. And husbands don't drink gin, but I yep. think that is changing. Mm -hmm. uh, definitely, I think more men are drinking gin. And I think that's probably thanks to maybe a barrel aged gins and things like that that are a little less floral and a bit more. They've got a bit more meat to them, maybe. Um, mm -hmm. Be the reason, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I just always find that interesting, the the gender divide between the the dark and light spirits. If well, and that's what I was going to ask. You go to what do you guys notice at whiskey shows? Is it mainly men? I was just mm. thinking about that. It, it is a lot more predominant men. Yeah, there's certainly there's certainly a good contingent of women yeah. there, but I think you could certainly say the majority would be men. Yeah, it's probably 70%. Yeah, 70-30. Mm. Yeah. I'd say mm. 70-30. Yeah. What I would say is the the uh, the average age over the years has declined because it, it used to be, uh, back in the early early 2000s, yeah. it used to be 90% male and and 80% of those males were, were above 60. So, mm. um, yeah, it's definitely moved... To a to a younger audience for sure, mm. and men would be a, a younger audience as well. I would I would imagine. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting. You get. I mean, we're a premium spirit, so you sort of you know. I was warned in the beginning saying, "Well, young people won't buy your gin," whereas majority of people that buy our gin, well, not the majority, but there is a good number of young people that will buy it because they would much rather buy a premium spirit 
and they're not going out to get smashed and enjoy it and save yeah. it and really enjoy it. It's like, yeah, this bottle is worth what I'm paying for it because I know what's mm. going into it. The sustainability helps with that as well. But mm. it is interesting with whiskey. I was at the, at the ADA conference and there was a girl there that was handed a glass of whiskey. She never drank whiskey before and she's drinking it. And I'm watching her face as I'm talking to her. I said, you're really not enjoying that, are you? And she goes, oh, Christ, it feels like I'm, you know, drinking liquid cigars or something. And then I turned around to the bar. I can't remember what cocktail I got her. Oh, it was a whiskey sour. Got her a whiskey sour. And I said, have that. And within 30 seconds, it was gone. She's like, my God, that's fantastic. I never thought I'd like whiskey. So I think when you're going to introduce someone to something, you've got to, you know, step lightly and work your mm. way out. Whiskey's, whiskey's. You know, gin predominantly is mixed with things. You can you can have a gin where you don't even taste the gin that's all tonic. You can have it with a juice. Yeah. You can have it in a cocktail. With whiskey, there is always that backbone of whiskey there, which people mm. have to get used to, I suppose. So it is yeah. a lot more, I don't know what the word is, controversial or something than, say, a gin is or a white spirit. Mm. A lot more polarising. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's the word I'm looking for. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Whereas some of my favourite cocktails, whiskey cocktails, you know, I love a good gin sour. It's mm. fantastic. But then, oh, sorry, a whiskey sour. But then, you know, I'll go out and or some nights I'll sit here and I'll just be in the distillery drinking and eat whiskey. It's you know, each to their own. There you go. There's a good tip for the newbies. Don't start with Isla. Isla. Yeah, uh, when, when it's like you're um, uh, licking an ashtray off a hot tar road, um, probably not the best place to start your whiskey journey, no. My first introduction to whiskey was when I was 12. My dad's got this really old cellar, and because he used to work for Penfolds, he's got some crazy stuff in there, and there was this bottle of whiskey, and I remember saying to my mate, we were 12 years old, I was saying to my mate, let's try this whiskey, and I... I still don't know if my dad's realised that bottle's open. It must be so bloody old. And it was from like the 1940s or something, and it was like battery acid. It was like, holy oh. crap, of so many years, just the smell of whiskey. Like, oh, I'm going to be yeah. sick. <laughs> yeah, but we've all had those initial experiences. I mean, yeah. for me, uh, Jack, Jim, and Johnny are very bad men. Yeah, yeah. Very, very bad men, and I, I struggled for a very long time um before i could even smell them again yeah <laughs> let alone yeah. taste yeah. them <laughs> definitely yeah yeah that's what i ask people when they say they don't like gin it's like so what sort of experience have you had they go oh i was you know 18 years old and it's like okay okay things have changed yeah. and gin's different and yeah but i think that's the thing with spirits as well it's like for rums whiskeys gins they're not what they used to be there's there's a lot of mm. uh, you know that, that Craft distillation brings out a whole different flavor and different profiles that we never had in the past, you know. Mm. And if you tried a whiskey like that, God, it would have cost you an arm and a leg. So, yeah, mm. it's really interesting what the industry's done. Yeah, yeah. Well, certainly uh, that's something I'm trying to instill in my uh, my team, uh, quality rather than quantity. Yeah. Uh, um, however, then you do want to have a large quantity of that quality and it gets a bit expensive but <laughs> i guess that works I was, out i was impressed with my son he's 14 and all of a sudden he sort of wants to be involved with the distillery and it's like i'm gonna, mm -hmm. I'm gonna leave school and come and work for you it's like no no you're finishing school then you're gonna do a trade <laughs> then you can come and work for me and he's like what trade am i gonna do he loves welding and he's like oh 
if I learned how to weld, could I make steels? I was like, mate, if you want to start up a well a, a steel business, ah. I'll back you hundred percent. Like, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. So, and I was, On- he was just, he was saying to me because he loves tonic, he loves a bit of things. He said, "Can I have a try of your gin?" I was like, "Yes," but you're going to try it neat. And he's like, mm. "What?" No, I like tonic. And it's like, "Well, you go drink tonic. You're not if you're going to have a sip of gin. I want you to try it neat." And he tried it neat. And I said, what are you tasting? He picked up 14 of the 21 botanicals. I don't even know how he knew those, those 14 things were. I was amazed. So he's definitely right. coming to work with me later on when he's old enough. He's got a good palate. Yeah, yeah. And and definitely if he wanted to uh, get into the the welding and the steel making, um, yeah. it's certainly an industry that needs more people in it because yeah. just to uh, segue ever so slightly – um oh crap where is it here so uh we are sponsored by um by burns welding and fabrication and um they um they can't take any or well when we spoke to them they couldn't take any more customers no they can't unfortunately (laughs) so there's certainly an opening for a um a budding young steel maker yeah. to uh, get into the industry and make his mark, yeah. most certainly. For that matter, if he was a woodworker, yeah. barrel making, Cooper, we desperately need more Coopers. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a dying art it is. and um, there's just not enough of them in. Uh, so if he could actually do both of those, that'd probably be a really good start. <laughs> All right, uh, if he could become a master Cooper and a still maker, um, it'll be a, a legend in his own lunchbox, guaranteed. So, we've got uh, Youngie, um, Wyano Cooperage, and uh, Transwood uh, Master Coopers uh, as sponsors. Thank you, guys. Often we see um, uh, Youngie online, he's not today. Uh, there you go, William Rule. Don't call us, <laughs> we'll call you. <laughs> and our other sponsors and our other sponsors uh so uh wild wild uh, water he's got lots of water he's got plenty um and it's all so natural where is he based natural. new south wales based it's up in the mountains isn't it crafty that's where you get your water from yeah, yeah. dividing range basically mm. yeah top of the it, to adelaide will he ship it to adelaide uh, I'm sure if you asked, yes. <laughs> I'm sure you would. Oh, I would hate to know the price, but... Yeah, the freight cost is exorbitant, that's for sure. Get oh, yeah. a get a tanker and fill one of those uh, new 25,000-litre tanks you're going to get. Save a glass for your bottles, yeah, most mm-hmm. certainly. Um, you get your bottles from there too as well, don't you, Crafty? I do indeed. Yeah. Yep. And Great then support. your labels from CCL. CCL. Yep. One of the great supporters uh, in the industry. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, I think. Uh, I think we've actually got, and I think we're quite lucky um, to have been sponsored by some of the most prominent um, and well-respected uh, suppliers in their fields. Um, and of course, we can't forget. Uh, Robbie at uh, Barrel Brokers, who we're going to have on 
in a month or two, a month or so, I think, as well, talking about all things barrels and wood. Yeah, that'll be interesting. Really, yeah, really cool. Um, mm. But yeah, definitely, if you want to, if you need a barrel, talk to Transwood or, or Youngie at Wine Oak. They may not be able to help you, but you should talk to them first. Yeah. Um, and of course, Burnsy, he can only, the worst he'll do is tell you to go away. <laughs> I think. <laughs> Save your last CC. They'll, they'll always have time for you. Not a problem. While working, plenty of water. And uh, I believe Robbie does have plenty of barrels left too. So, yeah, certainly hit them up uh, for all your barrel needs. I think you've done a good job there, Luke. Yeah, Did well I? Done, all right. I think you missed your calling, mate. Was it a smooth thing? We do appreciate all of our sponsors. <laughs> Very smooth. <laughs> Like to now, in people can't fast forward that bit. Yeah, <laughs> which is all of it, I'm sure. It's so, like the bit at the end of the movie where you you fast forward through the sub the titles and then you get the uh, the credits and you get the little bit at the end. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the thing. Maybe maybe if we do end up putting our sponsors at the end, we then need to have a mid sponsor little scene snippet. Yeah. Teaser for the next episode, just to leave people sitting there waiting in the theater. The next alcoholic Avengers movie. Is it going to be? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's it. What would our alcoholic Avengers be called? Ooh. That'll come to me at three a.m. DPs. <laughs> it wouldn't be Marvel. I'm shaking. <laughs> be Marvel. The marvelous DT. Yeah. yeah, there you go. We'll have uh, bloopers. No, no, no. We the this entire fucking podcast is bloopers. We don't it's edit it when it goes out, so you see it warts and all. And the good bits we might put up as these are the good bits. Yeah, <laughs> whisker tears. That sounds like cat food. <laughs> Sorry, Will. Sorry, I'm, I'm getting whiskers feels there. That's right. We'll workshop it. We'll workshop it, and then we've got an artist who did our um, who did our coasters. Fuck my my yeah, life yeah. is blown out like light you're holding up there, Luke. I know it's look at it. it's yeah. blank. We've got an artist. He'll fill Just that. Imagine spot. there was a lot of great art on it. it, it <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, let me let me turn this light off. Fucking struggling with this today. There we go. No, still you still turn the wrong light off. off. <laughs> turn all my lights off. Well, that's getting there. That's getting better. Right. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. Oh, Check out that Facebook page. It's on there. Yeah. Time to put it away. Speaking of Facebook, you're on Facebook and Insta. Yep. Little Juniper uh, Distilling. Little Juniper Distilling and yep. littlejuniper.com.au. There yep. it is right there. there. Is. Yep. Sign of up course. to our email list. We promise we won't spam you, and you'll find out when our new gin's coming out and see the progress of the distillery. Yeah. Sounds and of so course, good. you can buy directly from the website. Yeah. Sign up for email is... list, you get ten percent off your first purchase. There you go. <laughs> oh fuck! I didn't do that. Oh, idiot! I, so I just paid full <laughs> lap. Excellent. <laughs> That's good for me. <laughs> oh, Ask for a credit, Luke, and put it back in. Start again. 
I'll send you a couple of bottles of tonic to make up for it. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. How yeah. much is Pep's going Maybe for? Maybe some of that butterfly pee. The butterfly pee. I'll send you some of that. <laughs> It'll be in a little vial, though, so don't, don't throw it out. You might not notice it. <laughs> I drink it all at once. Yeah. Look, I think butterfly pee is going to be the next big thing. <laughs> I think. Not in the way that you think. No. <laughs> <laughs> So, yes, you can jump on to uh, littlejuniper.com.au, jump on the socials, buy a bottle. It looks amazing uh, from the uh, the photography, which you did as well. So all the yeah, photography, all the art is all yours. Uh, yeah, I've had some help along the way with a couple of things. Yeah. And uh, the, the trained butterfly is just yeah. a really amazing, amazing touch. <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah thank you very much we're, we've we've hit the hour and a half mark we, i'm sure you've had a big day thank you very very much for joining us especially at the last minute nice. um so uh yeah thank you very much there you go you've got a thumbs up from jonathan harris thumbs up, thumbs up. yeah that was good Stuart. it was excellent that was a deep dive very deep dive yeah and I'm I'm certainly wanting to have a further chat with you about the um, the the vacuum distillation side of things. I think that's a, an area that we can. It's uh, not a lot of people are doing it here in Australia. No, no, no. It's not a lot. And I think that's something that is obviously really unique to you, or very unique to you. Yeah. Um, and I reckon that's something quite special to certainly get into a little bit more uh on a future session uh yeah, right well, well the next year when we've got the cellar door set up we'll have two gin schools so one will be a traditional gin school and then there'll be a technical gin school which is if distillers want to come in and learn how to use a um a vacuum still we'll teach them how to use a vacuum still and help get them mm. set up and whatnot so yeah wow actually yeah. how accessible are vacuum stills well, I mean, you can buy a cheap Chinese one, but I wouldn't because you're running mm. food through it and a lot of them aren't food grade, so you really want right. to use a German one. Um, yep. yeah, they're not they're not exactly cheap, um, but, yeah, I mean, what you can do with them is pretty unique as well. Yeah, yeah. so don't pick one up off, off AliExpress. No, I wouldn't recommend right. it. No. <laughs> Unless you want to poison your customers. <laughs> Because you, you're running a vacuum and you've got a pump that's pulling air through, which is going to end up touching your food, and they are not. Like a lot of them will use oil, so you end up, you know, mm. yeah, not not healthy, not good. Right. Okay. Yeah. Well, bear that in mind. I'm cool. now not going to uh, to buy one <laughs> off AliExpress. Uh, oh, there's a, another question. Did Bernsey build one? Uh, I know the, the guys at um, uh, Archie Rose have got a 500 litre and a 1,000 or a 3,000 litre one. That's mm -hmm. next level stuff. I spoke to them and they spent they spent substantial amount of money with Italian engineers, like hundreds of thousands of dollars. Because that what was my plan, to do a full-scale copper um, vacuum still until I spoke to those guys. And now it's like, yeah. <laughs> That's that's a that's a future problem, well and truly future. Like, <laughs> yeah, right. When you wait for investors, be time soon. Yeah, exactly. When yeah. I win lotto, not that I buy tickets, but yeah, <laughs> got to be in it to win it, and I'm not. No, no, no. <laughs>
Well, we've, we've kept on going, but thank you again. Thank you very much. It's been yeah. uh, lovely to, uh, to chat with you more, and uh, certainly I was very glad uh, to be able to get you on today. Um, for all of our regulars, if you haven't already subscribed uh, on YouTube, if you haven't subscribed on iTunes, on Facebook, liked us on Facebook, uh, feel free to leave a review and all those things because they help us to get this out to more people. Uh, and uh, we're actually starting to see a bit of an uplift through YouTube now. People actually watching on YouTube Live and commenting through YouTube Live, which is awesome. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's quite cool. They would cool. want to sit there and watch us for an hour and a half, though. That's what I don't understand. Oh, wouldn't they? I've had fun. I'm on the other end. Hey, come on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but you're the interesting part. Apparently people sit sit and listen to us in their car on a long road trip. And mm. I just think that's And we dangerous. don't put them to sleep. That's amazing. I was going to say that is dangerous in my dulcet tones. Yeah, <laughs> Very fucking dangerous. So, yeah, I, I, I don't believe we've been responsible for any accidents yet. <laughs> yet. No one Maybe. left to tell a Possibly story. a few road rage instances. <laughs> <laughs> So, yes, thank you very much. Uh, thank you, everyone, for tuning in. And uh, we have, we're back in two weeks. I should have looked at the calendar before starting to say what we were doing next. I don't even, I'm not even logged into my calendar on my, on my computer. Who have we got next, Crafty? You're the uh, control of the calendar. If they don't turn up, you've got my number. There you go. Oh, no, it's Lindsay. <laughs> I mentioned that earlier. Oh, well, definitely. 26. Yeah, Lindsay. 26. Lindsay. Yeah. Oh, Lindsay still comes from uh, down Gin Lane. Um, yeah. That will be, well, I mean, look, that man loves gin. Hmm. He's built a whole business around it as, as well, but from the other side uh, on the, uh, the selling and uh, distribution side and promotion. Mm -hmm. So I think it'd be really interesting. Buy a bottle of that. And yeah, look, We'll see whether Lindsay has uh, spots in his um, in his in his schedule. <laughs> we'll see. So, Crafty, you won't be with us next no, uh, for no. that one though. Yep. Off that one. Uh, so we'll see whether we can find another guest uh, uh, presenter to fill Crafty's uh, very big glasses. <laughs> Love it. Bye. <laughs> See you guys. See you guys. Good yeah. to chat. Cheers. <laughs>